As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Welcome to Strictly Business. Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today my guest is Charles Roven, head of Atlas Entertainment. Charles, or Chuck as he's widely known in the industry, has been one of the most successful movie producers of the past few decades. He's been the hands-on, in-the-trenches producer on such blockbusters as The Dark Knight Trilogy, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman 1 and 2, and most recently, Uncharted for Sony Pictures. Here, Roven tells the 13-year saga of taking Uncharted from being a Sony PlayStation game to the start of a family-friendly action-adventure film franchise for Sony. He also talks about navigating the new waterways for traditional producers in an industry that has been invigorated by streaming, but is still not ready to say goodbye to the multiplex just yet. My conversation with Chuck left me thinking about what the inimitable David Wolper once told me was the definition of a producer. Quote, the man with a dream who makes things happen, end quote. That's all coming up after the break. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. 
a common mistake that a lot of people do. They use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using oh. fabric softener. Wow. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Charles Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. Congratulations on a fantastic opening weekend. It feels good to say that. First, let's talk about, I know it was about a, what was it, about a 10-year road to the screen well, for Uncharted? I, I think, so, <clears throat> um, there's a gentleman by the name of Alex Gardner who uh, I met when he was uh, head of production at MGM. We became close, and when he left MGM, he came over to Atlas. And he's been working with me um, as, a, as a producing partner not a partner at Atlas Entertainment, but on the movies that he produces, he's my producing partner. Um, and he has an exclusive deal here. And he brought um, Uncharted, when after he had looked at the first game, the first game uh, you know, was already successful. And uh, he said, you know, this is a really great IP, in my opinion, in his opinion, uh, and it's, it's got some great visuals that I think make it, and the characters are fun, and I think it makes it, <laughs> this of course are famous last words, <laughs> really easy to transfer from the game to a motion picture. And I said, well, let me see it, <laughs> show me the game. And I said, oh, it, it, it is cool, it's, it's a fun, uh, you know, action adventure type story about, um, you know, uh, treasure hunters, if you will. And, um, and so at that point in time, we were uh, under a first look deal at Sony. And so we asked them if we could produce the movie. And this was what year? This, this was fully about 10 years ago or even longer? I would say this was in the neighborhood of 2008 or 2009. So yeah, so it's like wow. 12, 13 years ago. But uh, we're, you know, we're passionate individuals. So uh, when we get our, our hooks on something, we really do our best to try to get it made no matter how long it takes. And sometimes we get lucky and the, uh, the incubation period is short and sometimes it takes a really long time. And on this particular one, I think either this one or Triple Frontier or movie I did for Netflix, they were the longest. So, <laughs> wow. So, um, so ironically, or you could say serendipitously, when we called um, Matt Tomac, who was one of the co-heads of production back then with Doug Dobrin, I think, um, and said we wanted to do it, he checked it out. He came back to us. He said, you know, there's this producer, his name is Avi Arad, and <laughs> he, he has a deal here too. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we don't want to be Solomon and cup debating in half because we can't. So we're going to do something else and you guys are going to have to do a shotgun wedding. So that's what we did. 
and uh, Avi, Avi is a great guy, great partner, good friend. Um, but you know, we held hands over this long period of time uh, until we got it made. Uh, but that started the our own adventure. And was there any at that point? Would you say was Sony encouraging the movie studio and the PlayStation division to work together? Because if you talk to them now, that is a huge part of their strategy. Did they see that back in 2009? I think they were basically saying, look, these are two independent divisions. If that happens, it happens, but we don't want one to be dependent on the other. We want them to be their own profit centers. This is my interpretation, okay? Nobody ever said that to me. Right, right. They never asked the question, but that's my kind of interpretation, right? They were siloed and they still are siloed, right? But um, they definitely have a, uh, an agenda now to actually say, well, if we're creating IP, let's, and the IP has a way of being, you know, transferred to another medium, let's do that. So, uh, and, and, and that's fine. And, you know, when, when that transition happened, which we really started to feel that transition, we always kind of had a conversation with PlayStation and Naughty Dog as we went through the different incarnations of what we were trying to do. But, but, but it became very much more, um, what do I want to say, um, you know, a, a much more creatively involved in a positive way uh, in this last incarnation that ultimately got the movie made. Mm -hmm. Did you, over that long time, did you keep tabs on the game or did you just oh, kind of yes. like? Oh, we always, you know, every time there was a new game, we, we, we looked at it, uh, you know, it was played around here. Um, Alex knows the games really, really well. Um, and it was very clear that, that the, the games had a certain imprimatur that we wanted to use and make sure that we captured that uh, in the motion picture. Mm -hmm. How is, I know, I'm sure in your career, you've adapted books and that kind of books into film. How was it adapting something that had this deep of a world behind it into you know a two hour or so feature um you know there are definitely some similar challenges uh particularly when you come with a book uh and maybe those and and, and also you know i've also done graphic novels and comic books mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. and so they have those challenges too because the challenges are that you want to, um, you know, honor the original IP by making certain references to it, and um, you know, honoring certain aspects of the canon, right? Because that the original IP is the canon. So, like for example, you know, um, Drake and Sully have a certain kind of relationship, so you wouldn't want it to be a different relationship, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there are certain, you know, characters besides those two, like Chloe was, that you would want to honor that aspect of it. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea of having this insane um, 
action set pieces, which the game had, which are, you know, almost uh, surreal in what, what, when you sort of uh, translate them or you look at them or you play them. So we tried to do our own version of those. And we were always trying to do some aspect uh, of that. Uh, I mean, sometimes we sort of careened off the road with some of the develop that we did. I say, no, let's, let's go away from that. Let's make it all uh, really real, totally real. And that didn't work. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's do it all in first person, like a shooter game. No, that didn't totally work. So um, we had a lot of hit and misses uh, in, in, in trying to do that. But to, get, to, answer, to, to do a more simple answer to your question, you do want to take pieces of the IP and translate them into this other medium, but you also want it to be fresh. It can't just be, oh, I'm taking this game and I'm turning this game exactly into a movie and I'm following that plot line. Mm -hmm. that, that, that is something that I've always uh, tried not to do. And in, right. in doing any you know, crossovers from whatever the original IP is, book, magazine, article, comic book, graphic novel or game. I've also taken TV shows like Get Smart and you know, turn them into a motion picture. Uh, or you could say, well, there was the Wonder Woman comic, but there was Wonder Woman TV show, right? Mm -hmm. Batman, what, Batman TV show, Batman motion picture. I want to ask you, what what is that what is that something that is that makes something from another medium feel like a movie? Is it the bigness? Is it the the bigness of the vision, the cinema? I, you know, as a producer, you must have that radar for, you know, this must feel like a movie. It must have a certain kind of set piece. Is it is it something that you can define or is it different each project? Well, I, I really think it, it, it's different from each project because like I say, what you're drawing from that you're going to use from the initial, from the, you know, the initial IP is totally an aspect of the personality of the piece, right? So, you know, when you're doing Uncharted, you definitely want that aspect of the relationship between Nate and Sully. In our case, the big aha moment was saying, okay, well, since the game has, has only alluded to how they met, let's do a movie that shows how they met. That gave but, you the in to, to take the story a little further. Exactly. And to make the story fresh from the games, right? While we were still honoring the personality that is from the games between the two, the repartee, right? Mm -hmm. But also, and also the big set pieces. So, so if, if you're doing a different IP, you would want to draw from, from that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. IP and, and, take aspects of the personality of that IP, but also bring something fresh. I think you've got to have both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned that early on there was a shotgun marriage with Avi Arad. I don't have to tell you how hard those marriages can be. What was the key to, to making it work and keeping you guys uh, friends, friends at the end? You know, really it was just, um, we, we, I think we respected each other's work. You know, we both came into it 
with a with a pretty terrific body of work. So we both knew that, and and Alex, by the time that he was um, with us, he had also done movies where he had a good body of work as a producer, not just a studio uh, production head. So, you know, it, it wasn't like we were teaching each other. We both had bodies of work that we respected tremendously. And in, in, in a number of cases, him with his Marvel movies and me with my DC movies in, in genres that we also respected. So it was, it, was, it was pretty easy. That's not to say we didn't always agree because that just doesn't happen. Alex Gardner and I don't always agree. <laughs> So, but, uh, but we treated each other with respect and also with a really good friendship. Don't hit that pause button. There's more stories from producer Charles Roven after this break. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss a common mistake that a lot of people do. They use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. And we're back with more insights on the content business from Uncharted producer Charles Roven. But as you got closer to your premiere date, what did, did your gut tell you that you had a hit or were you a little nervous given everything that's gone on with movie going in the last two years? Um, you know, by the time that we were, let's just say several weeks out, we had done many tests of the movie with different audiences, right? And, you know, when we started to test the movie, we could only do these small research screenings. Now I'm used to doing research screenings where, you know, if, if it's a 400 seat theater, every seat is filled, mm-hmm. right? Here we were doing research screenings, you know, that if it was a 200 seat house, maybe 50 seats were filled, right? And, and, and um, you know, you weren't always getting the target audience. Right, so right. We, we always wanted a target audience um, that was uh, who our target audience is, which is, you know, um, 
young men and women, uh, but also, you know, families. Mm -hmm. We were trying to make a family uh, movie, even though it was PG-13, right? Um, and so <laughs> that wasn't necessarily who came out during COVID. It was really interesting right. who came right. out during COVID, right? <laughs> because sometimes it was those people, but sometimes it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was people, I remember when, when our biggest, you're not going to, if you're going to laugh, our, our largest quadrant on the 50 people were individuals over 70. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with individuals over 70. Right, right. Say, if you're talking about a movie like Uncharted, I wouldn't see, say you would go into it going at your target audience. May not be the most complete sample, yeah. <laughs> Right. And would so, you just, so. is an online movie research screening, is that just too dangerous being online? No. You just can't do no. that in a world of piracy? People have done online research screenings. And I, I'm just not a fan of them because you're online. So what you definitely don't have is the group theatrical experience. And I think the group theatrical experience, if you're making a film, a feature for an initial theatrical release, for you to do an online screening is sort of counterintuitive, right? Um, and by the way, even though our audience was 70, as an average, our biggest quadrant, right? They liked the movie, <laughs> right? I just wasn't sure they were gonna be the first people to see the movie, right? They might wait, they might stay home. And we knew we needed to get make a movie that people were gonna go out and see, right? Because we shot the entire movie during COVID. So, wow. um, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother adventure. <laughs> Let me ask you, when um, did, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. when, when did you know, when did you get the sense that you knew that your star, Tom Holland, was going to be in a little movie called Spider-Man just before, you know, just, well, a couple months before your movie opened? Were you excited or were you no. a little nervous about that? No, uh, I wasn't really nervous about that. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, I, I was unbelievably happy about how well that movie did because it proved that people were going to actually go out to the movies, right? I had had two experiences at the end of 20 and in 21 of simultaneous release movies. And uh, I was not a big fan of that model. And the results proved that I was right not being a big fan of, of that model at least for the theatrical business, okay? I don't know the internal um, numbers. I know what people say the numbers are, but I don't know how many people are actually staying on as subscribers or not. So um, it might be good for the streamer portion of somebody's business. Uh, somebody else would have to comment on that because I can't really comment on that. but. I know it's not good for the theatrical part of the business, right? Mm -hmm. And that has been proven and that's why people aren't doing it anymore. 
So uh, it was great to see that um, that Spider-Man was getting people out and getting people out big time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As big as before the pandemic, right? That's what, what was so amazing. So how could I not be thrilled about that? Mm-hmm. That made me believe that we really had a chance on Uncharted, right? Mm-hmm. And by that mm-hmm. time, we had already had enough research screenings that we knew it was a four quadrant movie. So yes, we knew that 70 year olds would <laughs> like it, mm-hmm. right? But we also knew that 12 year olds would like it. And we knew that, you know, 25 year olds would really, really like it. And, you know, and, uh, and men and women. So, um, so feeling that we really had a shot um, was really good. Mm-hmm. So I was happy about, uh, I was happy about Spider-Man, which I thought was a really great movie. And uh, I was happy that um, Tom Holland was in our movie. But I was also happy that Tom Holland was in our movie even before that, because I thought he just did a spectacular job mm-hmm. as did Mark, as, as did everybody, really. It was a great shooting experience and a great post experience. And you said, where, where did you shoot it during COVID? We shot mostly in Berlin. And we also shot in several places in Spain, uh, including Barcelona and Madrid. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you, it, sound, it sounds like you had to be in full bubble. I, I mean, to shoot in 2020 or early 2021 must have been tough to pull that off. Yeah, we, 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 did, we didn't shoot. Yeah, we shot, I guess we got, did some additional photography in early 21. So we literally stopped. We were, we were, gosh, I think uh, we were one day away from starting to shoot when we shut down for COVID on March 10th. We were supposed wow. to shoot on 11th, uh, 20. Then we came back in July and shot and we finished shooting at the end of October. We went back for some additional photography at the beginning of the year. And then we did a little bit, couple of more days I think it was in the summer of 21. Um, but we really, we were the first movie to come back. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really a big vote of confidence that, uh, that Sony gave us because by that time, you know, the budget increased because of the COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were really, you know, I think there were other movies that came in behind us, but we were really the first movie, first big movie anyway, that, um, you know, crafted those protocols together with the guilds and the unions. Um, so that was very different and exciting. Right. And another production problem that one had to deal with. What do you think we're going to be saying about movie going in three years time and five years time? Do you think it comes back? Full strength? I do. I think, but don't get me wrong, I'm happy that the streamers are here. I think that they do a great uh, job of, uh, you know, giving great content. Um, And, um, but I think that that motion pictures are also great when they're a shared experience and that's what theatrical is. 
It's sort of like, you know, when you're watching something streaming, it's what I call a cooler experience because it's okay to be interrupted. You are interrupted. You know, you might answer the phone, you might hit the pause button, you might do any of a number of things, okay? But so it's a little bit of a different experience. When you're in a movie theater, you know, the goal is that it's a shared experience with a large group of people. And so it's that contact thing, right? <clears throat> and, um, and so one of the things that really gave me um, a strong belief that uh, theaters were here to stay was the fact just to go in and share that experience again, you know, with a movie like, uh, with, with a movie, you know, like Spider-Man or with a movie like Uncharted. I, I can't tell you what a great feeling it is to have, a, you know, be in a full auditorium and, you know, have people really go crazy for the movie. It's just wonderful, right? Particularly if you're a producer. Of the movie. <laughs> How are you dealing with the kind of the, the pros and cons of this, the incredible, unprecedented amount of capital just flowing into the content business, but also with all the practicalities of it's pretty crowded space right now. How, how are you, how are you navigating that? You know, here's the thing. Um, I think it's actually a wonderful time. I don't know how long it's going to last. But I think it's a wonderful time because you've got the most opportunity for content creators that's ever existed. Um, so that can't be bad. So, you know, it's physics, right? So you have reactions to things, nothing is perfect but I'd certainly rather have a buoyant market than a market where you're going, well, there's no money to make movies. There's no monies to make TV series. There's no money to make content. So I've been there too. <laughs> this is better, gotcha. I think this is better. So <laughs> it, has, it has consequences, but it's better. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the future of Uncharted. It sure it sure seems like the first stirrings of a franchise. Do, do you see more movies, a possible TV series in the future? Um, you know, uh, I, I think that um, I share uh, Tom's enthusiasm, Tom Rothman's enthusiasm, as he spoke last night uh, to, his, to his team at Sony. They did a fantastic job and it's the birth of a new franchise. And, uh, you know, I hope that's the case. Love to make another one with the same team. We made this one. For where you are now at the stage of your career, where you are now, what would you say, you know, for the marketplace that we've just been talking about, what would you say were important early experiences for you, early experiences in your career that are helping you navigate the crazy business that it is today? Um, well, you know, I, I, uh, I had the benefit of, um, 
going to film school and actually, you know, making student films um, in college. And so that clearly, of course, helped me. Um, I also, uh, you know, was very fortunate that I was able to go right from making student films into being involved in, in commercial films. At the same time, I also had the benefit of learning about uh, business from my family business, which was real estate. And my brother convinced me at a very young age to become a broker dealer <laughs> for a while. And, um, you know, all of those different lateral businesses that I was in, um, I think have really helped me, uh, you know, the creative process through working with really, you know, talented people in school and talented professors, uh, but also learning about finance, different ways of financing things and um, different aspects of other businesses and how they translate in just any business, but in particular the motion picture business. You know, a lot of times, like since my family was in the real estate business, if and and they 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 build homes, when when you build homes, you have blueprints, right? Well, the script is a blueprint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of those things that have relevance. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I know the life of a producer, sometimes you really are Atlas pushing that rock up the hill to get your movie made. Chuck, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And please go to Variety.com to sign up for our free Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to come back next week for another episode of Strictly Business. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B &B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia movement that inspires. Call 800-334-Q for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.